This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I told you before, it wasn't best of one. And when everybody was ready to absolutely come at me about the Lakers and the Grizzlies, I said, just wait. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't feel confident with no jaw. But boy, I am on one today because no John, no problem. The Grizzlies take down the Lakers 103-93 without John. The series tied at one each, and I am healing myself. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. AC, this is going to be a wild ride for me. This whole series. I went on first take with you, and I loudly said the Lakers wouldn't win a first-round series, so I am full-on puckered-up anxiety, like in honor of 420. I think i got to pop like three edibles before every game just to relax my <laughs> way through it. I am a little nervous every single game. Last night, oh, last night I was feeling froggy before the game. Uh, I, I put a little cash on the Grizzlies, thinking they might be do, be able to do the impossible. Put a little cash on Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> to have a big game. Woo! I'm going to eat right this weekend. Grizzlies tie this thing up one each, and uh, I, I'm feeling good about what Memphis accomplished, man. Oh, yeah, and I'll say this, Fitz. I'm watching that entire game, right? And all I can think about is you and how you're feeling, <laughs> the emotions, right? At some moments, you you had to be high. But when the Lakers started to come back and cut the lead down to six, you had to be feeling a little bit lower than high, which which was mid-level, mid-level. Not all the way to the bottom, but mid-level because the Lakers did come back. But I've got to give the Memphis Grizzlies credit because every time the Lakers would answer and go on a little run and try to cut the lead down to six or whether it was five, the Memphis Grizzlies answered every single time. And I got to give some credit to Xavier Tillman. That young man showed up and balled out last night, 22 points, 13 rebounds. Jerry Jackson Jr., 18 points, 9 rebounds. But you got a guy like Luke Kennard who was able to, you know, hit three threes, come in off the bench and have 13 points. I am a huge fan of Tyus Jones. I love his game. I love the pace at what he plays at. But also, you talk about controlling the tempo of a game and getting guys in the right spots and getting them the basketball in their sweet spots, to be exact. Ten points, eight assists, six rebounds. Shout out to Tyus Jones, holding it down for John Morant while he was out and getting the victory last night in Memphis. Which is going to continually be a theme in this series. Like, game one was really won because – Hachimura and Austin Reeves went off, and the rest of the contributors looked so good. True. Game two came down to Tyus True. Jones and Xavier Tillman, who you know I, I loved watching him at Michigan State. I have never seen him play the way he played last night. I mean, it was a career high for him in the NBA in points, but it was also just there was an aggressiveness to it, man. Like there was a pop to the way the Grizzlies were approaching this thing, and you could feel it from the outset. Now, uh, as much as we had to know, and the Lakers had to know, the Lakers are so experienced – they know they're going to get the best shot from Memphis because Memphis is going to fight like their back's up against the wall. It just felt like they weren't ready to match that. And that's been my whole issue with the Lakers all year. Like, there's this maddening inconsistency where yep. you've got one night where AD can go off and the next night where he's 13 points, 4-14 shooting, 29% from the field, his worst field goal percentage in a playoff game in his career where he took at least 10 shots. Like, that is not what you – you keep saying. They win when they go through AD. And I watched AD in the first couple of minutes of this game and thought, oh, man, if they're relying on AD to be the key to this, this is not going to go well, well. Well, you let me get on him right now. Mm. You let me mm. get on AD, Preach. a.k.a. Anthony Davis. Because last night he was 4 for 14 from the field, 13 points. If the Lakers think they're going to win any game in the playoffs – 
With Anthony Davis having those numbers, they are gladly mistaken. LeBron James had 28, shot the ball uh, effectively over 50% from the field, but everything has to go through AD, right? But also what can help AD, you know, be a little better from the field as well is when they're double teaming him and he's passing the ball to his teammates, those guys got to hit their open shots. D'Angelo Russell, I don't have a milk carton. Where's my milk? I don't have it with me. It's upstairs in the refrigerator. But he went on the back of it again. He went missing last night. Two for 11 from the field. Five points. Come on, D'Angelo Russell. What are we doing? White milk or chocolate milk? What are we doing on the milk selection? Uh, well, like, I'm I, kind of a strawberry I, milk guy sometimes. Well, I go chocolate. I go chocolate. You know, uh, yeah, you know why I'm going chocolate. I, I mean, but I because, go chocolate. Because you love the delightful taste of, of chocolate. Devin, I like chocolate uh, as well. Devin likes chocolate. That's Devin, why you're my boy. Yeah, well, That's why Devin, you're my boy. De- you still my boy too, Fitz. But Devin, you like that chocolate? You my I boy, Dale. Yeah, I do. I like the chocolate. Okay. Javante, uh, do you want to chime in on white milk or chocolate milk? Uh, I'll go white Don't milk. Don't be nervous. Wait, he went oh, white milk? Oh, okay, Javante. Okay, Javante. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's for obvious reasons, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I love where this is going. But I mean, let me get back to this. Let me I, get I'm, back to this. I'm, I'm shook. Go ahead. Yes, please. Because for, for the Lakers, the inability to make shots when they were open – and had the looks, hurt them last night. The fact that they got out-hustled last night. You cannot get out-hustled. I understand the Memphis Grizzlies are younger, but this is playoff basketball time. We had this saying, Fitz, when I was in high school, yep, my team was ranked top five in the, uh, in the state in basketball. But we had this saying, when it came to playoff basketball, was it the region tournament or the state tournament? Who's supposed to shoot the ball? Shoot the ball. Everybody else, everybody on the team better be taking charges, diving on the floor, winning those 50-50 balls. I didn't see that from the Lakers last night. And you can't go 7 from 26 from the three-point line. That's not going to help you beat the Memphis Grizzlies, especially without John Morant. So they got to be better across the board. All right, so I got to get to some trash talk. But first, I I just want you to brace yourself. All right, Harry, I don't think you've heard this yet. All right, who did you say showed up on the the milk carton there? Just say his name. Say his name. D'Angelo Russell. All right, well, D'Angelo Russell was asked after the game if he needs to do a better job of getting AD the ball in his spots. This was D'Angelo Russell's response. Anything that you think you can do as a point guard, or the other guys can do the guys. Basketball player, you can't keep saying point guard. Well, basketball. Other things that all you guys can do. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, sure. Gotta look at it to, to say what specifically, but sure. Don't be on saying point guard because you have the ball, so Austin has the ball, so so. Basketball player with this team. Basketball player with this team, not really a point guard role. You kind of just, just just hoop, you know? You've been saying the whole time that D'Angelo Russell needs to be the guy to get the ball to the right spots at the right times for AD. He was asked about it very specifically in his answer. I'm a basketball player, not a point guard. Harry, what do you think? Okay, so let me take y'all back to last season when the Minnesota Timberwolves were in a playoff game. I can't remember who it was against. And... Down the stretch, I thought D'Angelo Russell did a horrible job as a point guard getting the right people the ball that needed the ball in certain moments, key moments in a ball game. What's, what's big to me, Fitz, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I'm big on point guard play. When it comes to the NBA playoffs, I'm big on point guard play. Because your point guard has to understand where everybody needs to get that basketball at. Also, who the game needs to go through on the offensive end. So D'Angelo Russell has to understand that I need to get everybody the ball in their sweet spots, particularly Anthony Davis, but everyone. That's your job as a point guard. I understand you're a basketball player. We all know you're a basketball player and you can score, even though you've been missing a lot of late. Besides game one, you was missing against Minnesota. You was missing in game two against the Memphis Grizzlies. But we know you're a basketball player. 
But in playoff basketball, your job as a point guard is to understand the pace of the game, also to understand where your players and your guys, particularly Anthony Davis, needs to get the basketball to be effective to make your team better. So don't go deflecting. Do better and understand your role at that position. I knew you'd be fired up for that exact reason. Like, it's all about the roles and who the game goes through. Now, it's also all about the trash talk. And you know whenever the Grizzlies are involved with this, Dylan Brooks isn't, gonna mince, isn't going to mince his words. He was asked about some of the jawing that was going back and forth. If you watch the game, he was in LeBron's face repeatedly. Uh, there, there was a lot of conversation going around. He was asked about, you know, poking the belly of the beast and uh, whether or not it made sense to poke the bear. And this is what he said. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. <laughs> Dylan the villain. Doesn't give a damn about anybody playing in this playoffs right now. That's not on his basketball team. And I can't fault him. It's not his job to worry about the opposing team. He feels how he feels. Now, it's LeBron's job to, you know, counter to what he's saying, but also play within the means and the confines of the basketball game for his team to win. But I love this from Dylan Brooks. I don't have no problem with him, with him uh, saying what he said. If you feel that way, express yourself, but make sure you back it up. And they got the win last night. That's the thing. Dylan Brooks is talking, but Memphis has been winning when he does talk. Most importantly, there is one reason why I think this was actually a brilliant strategy by Dylan Brooks. I'll tell you what that is. We'll break down more of what the Lakers need to get from AD and D'Angelo Russell next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. At the right wing, Brooks, three-pointer, yes! Dylan Brooks with a triple! His first round series, best of seven, tied at one game apiece. We put together a full 48 minutes. I thought we really executed everything, and uh, we took care of business. It won't take you long to figure out the theme of the music on Fitz and Harry today. It is 420. I'm just saying. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, Harry, the Wolfpack's about to grow by one in studio. Like, it's rare that I could say this. He's a professor, and he's a doctor. Like, how many people sitting around talking about the NBA? The, the, the Twitter handle you need for Andre Snellings is at Professor Dr. Z. What's amazing is all of that is accurate. He's a professor, <laughs> and he's a doctor, and he's a basketball guru. Harry, I don't know how, like, like the room just got a lot smarter. I, I don't know how we're supposed to compete with this. Like, I, I'm just going to make up big words and see if he calls me out on it. Uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to have a conversation. Before we get to that conversation, I want everybody to hear Dylan Brooks and what he said when he was about, asked about poking the bear. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. 
I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. So, Dre, hear me out. All I'm saying is that we keep saying on this show that the way the Lakers win is to go through AD. Poking the bear, making LeBron mad, so he tries to go off for 80 points. Cool, I'll give you 80 points, LeBron, that's fine. They win by going through AD. I actually think this might be smart trash talk. It is, and it's very purposeful trash talk. And so it's not – the thing is, is I don't believe that LeBron doesn't know it. You know, and for LeBron – He's literally the NBA's all-time leader in points. He ain't worried about giving 40 to Dylan Brooks. You know, Dylan Brooks said that's what he wants. LeBron wins this trash top matchup by winning the game, and he knows it. So I'm not expecting to see LeBron necessarily come out and, and, and go for 50 and, you know, scream in Dylan Brooks' face every time he does it. Um, the way the stories that we heard about MJ said he would have, that's not really LeBron's steez. He may drop 40 if, if the you know if it presents itself because you know Brooks is a strong defender, but he about four inches shorter than LeBron, you know, and the same with Desmond Bain. So LeBron can get his looks, but I think the most important thing for LeBron is that he creates offense for the Lakers team. And I think he would like to get AD going because he didn't like uh having to shoot so much more than AD did because AD was off, you know, that not because Dylan Brooks was talking. Now, Andre, I got to tell you, man, you know, growing up when people talk like this, and I love I love every bit of it from Dylan Brooks, but you know how, how we growing up, we used to say, man, that boy talking greasy, ain't he? <laughs> that boy talking greasy yeah. right now. But I got to ask you, how concerning are you with the lack of production from Anthony Davis and not just him, but also D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if Russell and more importantly Davis perform at that level, the Lakers aren't going to win. You know, in the first game, it's not like AD was on fire, but he was getting his looks and he was making enough of a presence against a, a Grizzlies front court that's got the defensive player of the year, but it's a little light in the tail right now because their they're starting center is hurt. So AD needs to be the one to produce. I feel like yesterday, so going into yesterday's games, I my prediction was at least two of the three series were going to be tied at one-to-one afterwards. Um, and I thought that both Memphis and, and um, Milwaukee had a great chance to win because they had lost both of those um, situations. They had lost home court advantage and their backs were against the wall. So even without their best player, I knew they would come out physical and grinding. And, and you know, you can't really fake desperation. And as much as teams want to say, well, let's play like we're down one to nothing a lot of times that's hard to do in practice. And so I feel like with the Lakers, that's what we saw yesterday, was they just weren't – they didn't have the intensity level that the Grizzly, Grizzlies did, and they'll have to find that before they get back to L.A. We're talking to Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You mentioned desperation. The Warriors are going to have some of that tonight, down 2-0. I would actually argue, though, it puts a ton of pressure on the Kings in this moment. You have to capitalize with no Draymond. What does it mean for them in this matchup? So I don't feel like the pressure is on the Kings because they held home they, they held, you know, home serve. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they won those first two games. They're up two games to none. This is in a way kind of house money. Now, 
the Warriors, the pressure is on them because if they lose, this one is over. You know, if you go down three to nothing, it's not going to happen, especially with the Warriors having the worst road record of any team with a higher than 27% win percentage this year. Like, their record on the road was absurd. Conversely, the Kings had the most wins in the Western Conference on the road this, this, this regular season. And so I feel like they have a chance and, and plus, these two, we talk at home and road, Sacramento and San Francisco aren't that far apart. So, you know, there's a lot of of, of, of fans that are going to be traveling. I, I, I did an NBA preview this weekend, and I heard that the price for Kings fans, the ticket price was lower to go to San Francisco, like half as much as it was to, to, wow. to, to buy tickets My in goodness. Sacramento. So the fans are going to travel. They're going to be there. You know, I, the, the Kings... They if if they're if they're smart and things go their way, they'll try to win at least one of the ones in San Francisco. But I feel like they're equipped to do it. They have a good shot at it. Now I gotta ask you, let's just say hypothetically the Kings get past the Warriors in this first round. What are your chances? Uh, or what do you how far do you think they can actually go if they get past the first round? So the West is such a flat surface. Like the 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 gap between the one seed and even like the ten seed when we were talking to play play in is so small that I honestly feel like the Kings have almost as good a chance as any team to go you know to to go as far as anyone. I think that their championship level experience makes them lack uh, versus teams like. Uh, the Lakers, but the Lakers are still trying to get an upset win. And, and if they were, they, that's who the Kings would play. But I mean, the Kings, they're a really talented team. They score at, at a pace that, that their offense was record setting this year as far as efficiency goes. And they've got enough talent across the board with a leader like De'Aaron Fox, who's been among the fourth quarter uh, leading scorers all season. That they'll have a puncher's chance against any. There, there's no team that I look at and I'm like, yeah, that team is definitely better than the Kings. I don't think they're going to come out of the West. Um, I, I think they need to get more experience and seasoning to get there. But they have enough talent to really kind of bang with anyone. You're a professor. You're a doctor. You're smart. So I need you to. I need you to help me here. I hope this helps. All right. I went on first take and I said that the Lakers had no chance of winning in the first round <laughs> against anybody. They draw Memphis. I'm at one one now, but I got that one win without Jaw on the floor. You did. On a scale of one to ten, how confident should I be right now about Memphis being able to win this series? Wow, confidence. I think I'm I'm still going like three or four. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, I love I mean, it, Andre. That's what I'm talking about, Andre. You know, Let them know the real, baby. Come I mean, on. Coming into the series, and I think we actually talked about it last week. Coming into the series, I had the Lakers as a slight advantage over the Grizz. You know, I thought that it could go either way. And because the, the Grizzlies were favored in the series, for betting purposes, I could take the Lakers plus like a game and a half and, 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 and feel like if the, the series is going to be long and they have a chance to win it. But with Ja, I don't know what to expect from him moving forward. I don't think they can the Grizzlies can win the series without high-level Ja Morant for most of the rest of it. And the Lakers got that win. So they've got the home court advantage. They've got the two best players on paper anyway in the, you know, in the series right now. They should be able to win. I, I'm just saying the show might be Dre well, and, well, let, Dre well, and let, Harry let, at that let point. Let me say this. Let me say this. 
Because, you know, LeBron, you know how growing up the little penny commercials and he used to, <laughs> one, one time he was like, I penny, just penny, been penny. violated. LeBron just been violated by Dylan Brooks. He ain't having it. Mm-hmm. He finna galvanize the troops. <sighs> LeBron is about to galvanize you know the what? troops, Fitz. Y'all, y'all and you need, better get ready for it. Y- y'all just need to let me have nice things. Follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Professor Dr. Z. Andre Snellies, always appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. Thanks for giving us the time. Thanks for having me. Look don't, forward to coming back. Don't forget appreciate the NBA you. playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Nets host the Sixers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are at a pivotal moment in the Warriors-Kings series. We'll tell you who we think actually has the pressure next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Who's actually got the most pressure tonight between the Warriors and the Kings? And yeah, the music is just... Whew, I'm feeling it. Harry's doing all the dance moves. We're very different on 420, apparently. Harry wants to dance around. I just want to melt into my couch. HD, <laughs> uh, we got to get to pressure in a second, but I just heard something that has me shooketh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine Lisi doing God's work and an incredible job on the uh, Sports Center update, mentioning that the Warriors Arena is not allowing cowbells to come in. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I, I mean, let, how are you going to stop everybody from? You, you want to tell who, who, me? Who, I mean, well, who, who are the cowbells for? Sacramento. I, I get okay, that. Okay, well, you damn right. You no. can't bring them in here. Not around here. Okay. Not around here. You and I both have ties to Nashville, right? You, yep. We both lived through an era where people were saran wrapping catfish to their bodies to sneak them into an arena. If I want to get a cowbell in, I'm going to get that cowbell in that arena. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, there ain't well, no Well, here's way. the thing. Here's the thing. If everyone's going through metal detectors, though. Oh. It's well, going to go off. It's you different. can get a plastic like catfish, one. Well, well, catfish, it's not going to go off you know, during metal detectors. Can, it's catfish. Can we get a plastic cowbell? It won't serve the same purpose. It, it will be, not yeah, serve the same purpose. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I, I no, mean, that's, I, that's, the Chase Center is where the Golden State Warriors play, not where the Sacramento Kings play. If they f- want cowbells, drive up. Drive on down the road, well, I mean, go back to Sacramento, and ring them. Or fill your own damn arena. Like, look, I'm a Raiders fan, and I have to deal <laughs> with the fact that the Raiders stadium is constantly filled with away fans. That's just part of it. Like, But if Raiders fans want to stop that, it's not up to Allegiant to sit there and take away Chiefs signs or whatever. It's up to Raiders fans to go to the game. If you're really worried about a Golden State, then just fill your own damn arena. Like, the fact that, uh, that we just They're heard from— They're used to winning so much. Uh, well, so I know. That's, I mean, the fact that Sacramento— because a lot of people thought that Golden State— was going to have a home court advantage in Sacramento that fans were going to travel. Now we find out from Jay Snelling's uh, last segment as we were talking to him that it was about half the price to get a ticket in San Francisco. So now we're going to have a bunch of Sacramento fans going up to Golden State. I think it would be wild if Sacramento actually took over the home court advantage yes. from the Warriors by fans just overtaking it. And that's nobody's fault but the people that have those seats that choose to sell them. Well, so. but, but, it's, but it's evident, though. You know, Warriors fans are so accustomed to winning so much, they're probably saying, you know what? We'll we'll sell them for game three. We're gonna make this extra money. You know, it's expensive to live mm-hmm. out there in California. Yeah. Why not get an extra, you know, little extra pocket change here and there? I'm They're never... so accustomed to their team winning. Six of the last eight years, they made the NBA Finals, bro. Winning four of those, so. They're definitely used to being in these situations. Well, if you win, then you shouldn't have to worry about cowbells. I'm fired up about this cowbell thing. I don't know why, but I'm also fired <laughs> up about the concept of pressure because 
I don't know, like, uh, I'm not saying the Kings feel it because the Kings don't seem to have any concept of pressure at all. The, the Kings feel like uh, whatever we're talking about is swirling around them. They're in the eye of the storm, and they don't even give a damn about it. But it does feel like there is a heightened level of expectation for Sacramento in this game because you are going to get the best of Golden State, just like we saw Memphis just yep. do to the Lakers. And this really becomes the sort of game you need to get a sneaky win in. Like, you have an, you have an absolute advantage in the way this game should play out. you got to take advantage of that advantage so that you're not putting yourself under even more scrutiny going forward. Like, if this is 2-1 and Draymond comes back, now we have that 80s wrestling Hulk Hogan moment where you thought he was out and he's back in. The whole thing's going to be fired up. But that's why I think it's pressure on Sacramento as well. I think it's pressure on both teams. But, you know, I'm just not going to, you know, ignore the pressure that it is for Sacramento. You're up 2-0 on the defending national, excuse me, uh, NBA champions. Right, so and Draymond Green, one of their best defender, is not playing. So you got to take advantage of that opportunity. And let's remember now, the Warriors missed, I believe, it was 34 threes in Game One, 27 threes in Game Two. I don't think they're just going to shoot the ball and miss that much like that at home. They're going home where the role players are going to play better as well. So you want to capitalize on this moment if you're the Sacramento Kings. You've been phenomenal up until this point. But this game, game three, if the Warriors can win this game without Draymond and then come back in game four, can you imagine that crowd then at the Chase Center in game four with the series at 2-1 and Draymond coming back? See, it's going to be phenomenal. This is that 80s wrestling moment. I use this analogy all the time. But if you watched 80s wrestling, you remember when somebody would put Hulk Hogan in a sleeper and he would hold his hand up. The ref holds his hand up and it falls to the ground at one. And the ref holds his hand up and it falls <laughs> to the ground at two. If it hits the ground on three, he's going to lose the match. And just before it hits the mat, oh, he, he starts shaking. Oh, everything's <laughs> shaking for the Hulk. Everything's explosive. Suddenly, he's got his energy back. Javante, you just won the MVP for pulling the Hulk music yes. out. All of a sudden, crowd goes wild. Everybody's nuts. Before you know it, Hulk's dropping the leg, and boom, we have a win. That's what happens for Golden State. They get a win tonight. That's like all of a sudden, just when their hand's about to hit the mat, nope, they stop it. They get that win tonight. Then tomorrow, what you get the next game, two days from now, what you get, you get that shake. You get that shake of Draymond coming back in. Oh, that is the extra spice in the Sammy that absolutely Golden State wants to get. Okay. There is a but. Mm-hmm. Golden State can't afford to go down 3-0. Right. You can't afford to go down 3-0. So this is a desperation game for them. So the pressure's on them as well. This is a when I mean desperation, the greatest form of being desperate. That that's what the Warriors have right now when it comes to game three. They cannot lose this game and go into game four down 3-0. And then let's just say hypothetically they win game four. Now you got you got to go back to Sacramento. You got to go back there? Down 3-1? No. Uh, No, no, no. Well, and to that end, what we have are two polar opposites. We have a young team that hasn't been here before playing that doesn't seem to have any concept of pressure versus a team full of champions that have felt more pressure than this all the time. I have no idea. Like, uh, I will stand by what I said. I want to see the young guys on the road. I want to see the young guys on the road. It's that game tonight, right? Yeah. I want to see those guys on the road tonight in that environment with a little bit of pressure on them. Uh, But I also want to see – how Mike Brown has this team ready to, to face the Golden State Warriors. Because if, if anybody understands what this team is up against, the Golden State Warriors, that is, it's the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. He knows what, what Steve Kerr is telling his teams right now. He understands what Steph Curry and Klay Thompson is thinking. He knows. So I want to know how his team and the Sacramento Kings, how those young guys are going to come out in game three. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying here, and it is going to be 
wild to watch. That game tonight, 10 p.m., uh, obviously, between the Warriors and the Kings. Also, late, like the East Coast is just screwed tonight. Mercy. Like 10 p.m. for Kings times, Warriors, 10.30 p.m. for Suns Clippers, and they put Suns Clippers on NBA TV. So, like, the only way you can find that is what? if you out there on the NBA app. Yeah, Suns Clippers is on NBA TV. That's a, 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 a wild, wild developments here. So, uh, 10 o'clock game, 10.30 game, uh, very tired Fitz and Harry tomorrow. That's all I can say is you and I are going to be uh, you and I are going to be dumbfounded. All right. Uh, we'll keep breaking down everything you need to know about tonight's action in the NBA. Got a lot to get there. But the next two teams featured in our ceiling and floor conversation for the NFL draft have older quarterbacks who just got paid and a young guy looking to reset the market. We'll figure out how it plays out next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. As we storm toward the NFL draft. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. It's time to look at every team's ceiling. Like the ceiling can hold us. And every team's floor. This is Ceiling and Floor. The ceiling is the roof. On Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And you know the drill by now. We take two teams every single day leading up to the draft. One from the AFC, one from the NFC. Yesterday, it was apparently poop all over the Raiders' day, and I survived that. I survived poop all over the Raiders' day on this show. I don't know how I feel about poop all over the Raiders' day. So today, <laughs> it'll be different teams. Can you tell I'm still a little bit salty about that, HD? I mean, Obviously. <laughs> but the theme of the week has been the AFC West and the NFC West. Javante! All right, who you got for us first? The Seattle Seahawks. Oh, okay. So hear me out here, Harry. I don't think a lot of people have paid attention to the fact that the Seahawks not only had a good year last year, we all know that, uh, but because of the trade that sent Russell Wilson to the Broncos, they hold Denver's first and second round picks this year. So all of a sudden, the Seahawks not only picked fifth, they not only picked 20th, they also picked 37th, which is right at the beginning of the second round, and they have their own second round pick in the 50s. You're talking about four picks in the first 52, 53 picks overall of the draft. They can make a huge improvement this year, man. I really like this team, and I don't want people to sleep on them because I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year. I like the pieces that they added in free agency, bringing Jaron Reed back, Draymond Jones from the Denver Broncos who had six and a half sacks. I like him, Wusu, who had nine and a half sacks last year, along with Daryl Taylor. Also, you look at their secondary. Jamal Adams is going to come back. Hopefully, he can stay healthy the entire year. You also have Quarji Diggs, who I like, Tyreek Woolen, who uh, exceeded expectations last year. But on the offensive side, you had Geno Smith, who really stepped up and made his presence be felt to the point to where he got a new contract. Kenneth Walker III, I hope he can go through a full season being healthy because I like what he presented to the game of football, the National Football League last season. DK Metcalf, can't say enough about him. Tyler Lockett, those guys are going to always be solid. Uh, Hopefully the offensive line could be either that much more better than they were last season. They weren't great, but you just hope in another year they can be better than they were a year ago. So I really like what this team is, especially at number five, if they are able to draft Jalen Carter, but you mentioned it, Fitz. They have four picks in what, the top 52, you said? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Those are the type of players that you're getting to be starters or significant contributors. So I'm looking forward to the Seattle Seahawks taking a step forward. Isn't it crazy two years ago we are talking about Pete Carroll potentially being gone from this team and probably hanging it up? Now look at him. And Well, and think about this. 
there is a real shot at 20, depending on how the board plays out, that they might be in a position to take, let's say, a Hendon Hooker if they want to. They've got the quarterback they need, but to your point, they have a a ton of weapons around. If they like one of these young quarterbacks, it's a great spot for a young quarterback to go to. Jalen Carter fixes an immediate need. That's who Mina took in our mock draft. Fixes an immediate need with run their run defense. defense. Right. Run defense has to be better than it was a season ago. The, the the ceiling, to answer that question to me, is I think the, the Seahawks absolutely are capable of being a division winner. I, I, I know San Francisco is San Francisco, and I'm not taking anything away from San Francisco, but I think they have the opportunity to be an 11-12 win team that wins the division. The floor for them still feels like a winning football team are right in that range. So they fall, I don't know, eight wins, nine wins, uh, or all the way up to 11 or 12 wins. I mean, they are in that, that echelon of very good to me in this year. Well, I forgot to do my ceiling and floor. I got so damn excited about the team. Uh, so ceiling for me, I'm going to say division as well, uh, because, you know, that second game they played against the San Francisco 49ers, when San Fran was on that run and winning a lot of games in a row, they gave San Fran everything they could handle. These two teams matched up in the, uh, in the playoffs in the wild card round where they got defeated. Uh, I say the floor for them, wild card, wild card I, round. I actually totally agree with that. All right, Javante, who do we got next? The Los Angeles Chargers. One win and they're they're head, they're done. They're the top overall pick in the draft. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I would say the ceiling. I'm not going to say win the division because you have Kansas City in that um, that whole ram and Patrick Mahomes along with Andy Reid. So I'm going to say wild card. But as a wild card team, they could potentially go to an AFC Championship game. I think it's going to be all on their defense, and if their defense is able to step up, in which they paid so many guys, so at some point they should be able to. I want to see what Kellen Moore is going to be able to do with Justin Herbert in that offense. Uh, I'm interested to see how things are going to go with Austin Eckler because we do know he isn't happy. He asked for a trade. Is he going to be on the roster at the start of the season next year? But I can see the Los Angeles Chargers having a wild card berth and potentially getting to an ASC championship game. Now, how feasible is that? I won't say the chances are high because Brandon Staley may, you know, make a decision that allow him not to happen. Uh, but I, I, I like this team right now. I really do. I Every year I pick the Chargers to finally put it together and win the AFC West every year. And every year I'm drastically wrong. So in my mind, when I look at them on paper, they, the ceiling should be a Super Bowl to me. Like, I think they're that talented, but I just can't do it anymore. I do it every year. Every year I'm wrong. So I think you're right. The ceiling's a wild card. I'm not going to presume for the next decade uh, as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are out there playing kumbaya and holding hands, like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the best team in the West. So I think the ceiling. But, 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 I, but, I, but I do think they have the potential to get to an AFC championship game. Totally agree. I just don't think like it's strongly feasible for them to do it. If everything clicks for the Chargers the way I think it should every year, I don't think that Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati are that much better. I think they're in that same realm. It just never clicks, and I don't trust Brandon Staley in that situation. So I'll take him to a wild card, but I also think that's the floor for him. I I don't see any world where the Chargers aren't competitive this year, barring an injury to Justin Herbert. Like They are are too talented to not be one of the best. So I think their, their floor and their ceiling is the same. They are a wild card football team to me that that has a real shot. If they're hot and healthy at the right time, they have a real shot at the Super Bowl. But it's crazy to me because on paper, this is one of the better rosters in the National Football League on paper. But they, you know, they get hit by the injury bug a lot. You know, they have deficiencies here. This guy's missing. That guy missing. The coach deciding to go on, on fourth down in his own territory. 
You know, Justin Herbert's ribs. It's always something with this team. Hopefully in 2023, they'll be better across the board. They are always the team you don't want to play against on Madden, and that never translates over to real life because the roster doesn't equal what should on the field. Maybe this Go year that changes. Chargers. Go, Oh, wow. Wow, that's what we're doing here. That you know, scary. Like I said, one one win, first pick in the draft. All right, coming up, the Bucks beat the Heat last night without Giannis. Are people sleeping on Milwaukee? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.